We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Aren't you glad you came to church this weekend? Come on, it's, good. it's a good day. I know we have a lot of folks joining us online. Can we just welcome them, our church family, from wherever you are? We love you, grateful for you. Uh, before we get into the message today, just a quick announcement. We have our kids' campfire that's coming up Friday, June 9th. It's going to start at 6 p.m. It's a, it's a blast. It's inflatables. It's fire. It's sugar. What else do, what else do you want, right? Fantastic. It's first through fifth graders. And uh, more information at faith.church slash kids. If you, if you have any kids in your life, neighbors you want to invite, please invite them. It'll, it's going to be a blast. And uh, it's epic. So it's going to be a great time. We're continuing with our series on the life of Paul. And today is uh, it's going to be a little different than some of the other messages. But as I've leaned into the life of Paul and we've been walking with him, we, we've looked at what, what were the things that marked his life? What was the hallmark of Paul's life? And we talked about the gospel of grace. We talked about suffering was a hallmark of his life. We talked about courage. We've talked about so many different things, and, and we've been encouraged by the life of Paul, and we've learned from him. And so as we've leaned in, we're like, God, what you did in Paul's life, will you do it in ours? And how, what can we learn, God, from what you've done, and we can be, that can be applied to us. But today, I'm going to talk about another hallmark of faith in Paul's, excuse me, a hallmark in Paul's life, which is faith. I gave it away before I got to the punchline. It's faith. And faith is a very interesting thing. There's a lot of um, interpretation of it, but I, I believe God, God gave Paul the exact language about what it means to live a life of faith. And when you look in Paul's life, you, you, you see that he had a compelling faith in God. He did things and went places and took risks that we only dream of. And we're like, man, that would be amazing. But what you don't understand that there is a journey of faith. What we don't understand is, is uh, Paul just didn't arrive at these moments of, of major decisions and, and risk and going here and going to places no one else had ever gone before. There was a journey that led him to that place. And I can imagine all of us are on a journey as well, living our life of faith or obeying God as he leads us and guides us. Here's the amazing thing about Paul too, is that he is a, there's this idea of him living by faith has left a legacy for us to look at, for us to understand. And I believe today that God wants to encourage us and fan, fan this flame of faith in us so that we also can leave a legacy for those around us by our decisions and by our submission and by our obedience to God in, in times where it's difficult, in times when we don't understand, but as we remain faithful in the wake of our faith, it's going to move other people to follow our example. It's going to move other people to say, listen, I want to follow God with the trust and the faith that you did. And that's what we learned from Paul today. So Paul has a legacy. And we, we have witnessed how God has used him. We've witnessed how God has moved through him. And we've seen the story of God's mark on his life that he had a calling and he had a purpose. And so we are going to lean, in the, lean into this today and I, I am excited about it. But 
often I, I wonder as, I, as I've read through Paul, I go, man, what, what was Paul anchoring to? And he was anchored to many things, but he was anchored to the truth of the Old Testament as well. And so when Paul's writing to the church in Rome, he's talking to them about faith. But here's, here's the deal um, about faith, is as we walk in faith, as Paul's example compels us to, to live by faith, to take risks, to follow God, to take God at his word, we exercise our faith, as we see Paul did, one decision at a time. And Paul looks back and he looks at a character that he says, listen, I've learned from this individual and I want you to learn from him as well. But here's the wonderful thing about faith, and we'll get to it in just a moment. Wonderful thing about faith is that it takes the results out of our hands and puts them into God's hands. For many of us, we don't, we don't mind putting our faith in God or putting our faith in the promises of his word as long as we see the results we want and the time frame we think that we should get them. Everybody say amen to that. In other words, most of the time we are in a hurry. And we're like, God, I wish you would be in a hurry with me. Have you ever been in a hurry with what God has said and you're waiting for him to do it? Have you ever been in the, the, the waiting room of God's promises and you're like, I'm, I'm here, I'm ready. And you can't speed it up. You can't make it happen. You can't, you can't answer the prayer that, that you've been praying. You can't, you can't make the miracle happen. You can't change the situation. You want it to change, but it's totally out of your control. And now you've got to wait on God. It was his idea in the first place, just so you know. In other words, we don't always know what God is doing. We don't know even how he's going to do it. And so it's that moment of waiting that's called the timetable of faith. And Paul understood this. And so we're going to look at what Paul said about faith in his life. And I believe God wants to challenge us today. I believe God wants to stretch us today. And so Paul begins to talk about a man named Abraham when referring to faith. God gave Abraham a promise that he'd have a baby who'd become a great nation, which later became the nation of Israel. But Abraham had to wait 100 years for that baby. That's a long time to wait. That's a long time to see God's promise come through. And ultimately, Abraham did not even see the fulfillment of the promise as a whole. So what you're doing while you're waiting on God really matters. What you do while you're waiting, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is what Paul is talking about here. Paul writes about this journey in Romans 4. So if we're going to learn from the life of Paul, let's learn from what Paul learned from. And so in Romans, starting in chapter 4, starting in verse 18, 
It says, he, he writes this, excuse me, if we move up one verse, it says, God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not, speaking about God's promise to Abraham that he would make Abraham a father of a great nation. So as you know, as we're going to read, Abraham um, couldn't have children, didn't have children. And so Paul begins saying, God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. So starting in verse 18, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it had been said to him so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb also was dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. So I'm gonna talk to you first about this journey of faith from what Paul is speaking about. Through our life, as we follow God, it's a journey. It's faith. And so, and, and, and a journey of faith is about connecting points that you weren't going to connect because we think God should move from point A to point B, but sometimes it doesn't go that way. So this journey of faith, I want to look at quickly and then get in some application here. As we look at the life of Paul, as we look at the journey of faith, we see this first with your journey of faith is this, this promise or the promise that came to Abraham. Many of you today have had a promise from God. As you read the scriptures, you read promises and you're like, God, I want to see that manifested in my life. God, I want to see this happening in my life. And so this is where the journey of faith begins. It's the promise. God, this is what I'm believing for my marriage. God, this is what I'm believing for my health. This is what I'm believing for this situation. This is what I'm believing for my financial situation. This is what I'm believing with this addiction that you're going to set me free because I see the promise. That Jesus, you came to set captives free. We read the promise of God's blessing on his children. We read all of these promises and we go, God, I want that promise. And that's the beginning of the journey. But for Abraham, the journey began when he was 75 years old. This journey of faith. And this promise also for you could be something that God's put in your heart. Could be something that you believe for. Many of us here today have things that God has spoken to us. And because of life, we, we don't see how it can happen now because we think we're too old or we think we're too far this way or too far that way that we go, never mind, I'm just going to surrender that. And God's like, no, 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 that's just where I want you to use your faith. I want you to engage your faith. But this promise was something that, that Abraham wanted a son. Abraham wanted offspring. He didn't have it. Then God spoke to him, called him, and said, this is what I'm, go I'm going to do for you. So God, at the age of 75, calls Abraham and gave him a new promise, gave him something new, gave him something fresh. Listen, it doesn't matter what age you are at. God always has something new and fresh for you to participate in and do. It's, it, it's who he is. He didn't call you to, to just drift off and, and just sleep and just go to, and die. Listen, that's not God's purpose. He wants you engaged with him. Yes, things are going to change. It's going to look different over your life. But God wants you to be engaged and understand there's an excitement about following him. You can have that till the day you die. 
And so God calls Abraham. In Genesis 12, 2, he says, I will make you into a great nation. This is the promise. And what has God promised you? As you read the scriptures, what leaps out to you? What is it that you go, man, God, I'm believing that. That's the promise for you. Maybe it's you, 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 a promise that you believe that your children are going to come to the Lord. Maybe it's a promise you believe that the city is going to, be, is going to find revival and people's lives are going to be transformed. Maybe, maybe it's, it's this belief and promise that our young people are going to, are going to turn their eyes to Christ and that, that everything that's trying to influence them away from him would be shattered and broken and exposed as the lies that they are so that our, our children would come back to Christ. I'm believing for God to do something in our city. I won't sit back and watch our city burn and just say, well, that's just the will of God. It's not God's will. Amen. It's not God's will. So what's your promise? What burns in your heart? That's where the journey begins. So after the promise, we see, as the scriptures continues and we look back to Abraham, after the promise, there comes a choice. It's the choice. This is the journey of faith. Genesis 12, 4, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. He did it. He said, God, I'm going to believe you for that. God, I'm going to respond to that. And this is a choice in your journey of faith when you decide to act on something that God's spoken to you. Do you ever remember a point that you acted on something you believe God spoke to you, but you didn't know how it was all going to sort out? That's part of the journey. Without an action of a choice, the promise will never get closer. There's something about God. as He's a good father. He's, he, 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 he invites us to walk by faith. So we can grow and develop. But the choice is where we have to step out in faith. Abraham had to leave his existing homeland and go to a place he never knew. When you look at the life of Paul, man, he, he went to places he had never been. He got on boats and went places that he didn't even know what it looked like. But he showed up because he had a promise. He had a promise from Jesus that it was the will of Jesus, that the nations would bow their knee to the supremacy of Christ and the gospel and that none would perish. And Paul says, hey, hang on a second. I, that's a promise. You said that. I'm, gonna, I'm going to help fulfill that for you, Jesus. There's this understanding that, that Paul was filled with such gratitude for, for what Jesus had done for him. You couldn't shut that guy up. And he preached and he spoke and he did it with eloquence and he did it with love. But he was, he was driven by the promise that Jesus spoke about the nations. And Paul says, I want some of that. But along the way, there was promises in his own life. But this was a choice. Maybe for you, what, what, what God has said to you or spoken to you, like, hey, I want to do this in your life. Okay, now you have a decision. And there's going to come a point when you have to make a decision and say, okay, God, I'm going to go after what you've spoken to me. I'm going to go after what you've said to me. I, I'm going to believe and take a step of faith. And so this is a movement towards what God has spoken. It's a movement. This is the time, so whether it's the first step or the second step, 
The reality is this, this choice is always freaky and scary. If you look back to maybe, if you can remember when you just started giving to God, you started tithing. I don't know if you can remember that first week and you say, this doesn't look like it can work, but I'm going to make a choice. And you took a step. Or maybe it was when you, you decided to give your life to Jesus and you were like, man, I don't know how all these things in my life can change, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a choice. And you look back and you go, wow, it all began with that step of faith. But there is these promises as you read them in scriptures. As we look at the life of, of Abraham, it's the promise, it's the choice. But here's, here's, the, here's the, the kicker in the journey of faith. There's the third one. There's the delay of the promise. We don't like this. This is the waiting room of God. What God has placed on your heart, what he's spoken to you, what he's spoken about you and, or your, your family or your finances or your nation or your children or your career. Whatever God says, hey, I'm going to do this, it never happens instantly. When God gives you an idea of what he wants you to do with your life and when he actually fulfills it, there is a time gap. I feel this in, in my own life as, you know, our kids are graduating from high school. And to all you graduates, come on. Congratulations. Congratulations. But this journey of faith will always be. So I was talking, you know, about, hey, what, what, what do you think you're going to do? What do you think? And, and I said, but here, here's the truth. I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> right? Like, I'm, there's an adventure for me, but I'm still searching after what God is saying. And so this is a, but it feels like sometimes there's a delay when you're like, God, I really believe this is what you've said. So for Abraham, 11 years after God gave Abraham this promise of many children, that he would be a great nation, he still doesn't have any children. So the promise, 11 years later, nothing. So it's this delay and here's, here's what people forget about the delay. Many times we, we say this, no, God, I, because you delayed, it caused this bad attitude in me. Because you delayed, I'm, I'm frustrated and gave up. Because you delayed, I'm angry because you delayed. But actually, here's what the delay does. It does not put in your heart negative things and doubt and fear and, and, and all these things that are uh, detriment to your life. It just exposes what's already there. It's in the delay that we go, oh God, what, where are you? And then he's like, excuse me, what, where'd that come from? And then as we walk with God in the delay, he purifies our heart because he's preparing us for the fulfillment of his promise. We see this in the life of the children of Israel. It's the, it's the preparation to being able to handle what God has promised. But it's part of it. It's, it's how we are conformed to the image of Christ. So 11 years later, Genesis 16:1, Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. No, no, no children. 
I wonder if Sarah and Abram ever have conversations like Sarah's like, so you said God said? He's like, yes. Now we know that she also witnessed some of that interaction, but really, Abram, God said, did he say when? It's been 11 years. And so within those 11 years, it was a delay. And as you follow the journey of Abraham, you see that God actually exposed some things in his life. You know that he's in, in the waiting. You know Abram is tempted to doubt, tempted to give up, tempted to take the detours, and he did sometimes. To try something else, but God says, no, you're, you're going to wait for the fulfillment of the promise. You're going to wait for what I put in your heart. You're going to wait, and I'm going to do something in you. It's in this delay that many of us hit eject. We hit eject. We give up on God. We give up on the promise, we give up on the marriage, we give up on the relationship, we give up on the church, we give up on the, on the friendship, we give up on, on the children, we give up on the, on the career, we give up on the dream, we give up, we just, we're like, fine, I, I can't take it. And what we are doing when we hit eject is we are, we are escaping the purification of our hearts and our minds because it's too painful sometimes. But this is the beauty of a good father. It's this process is what really turns our hearts into what we want our hearts to be, that we can't do ourselves. It's the grace of God that meets us. And so after this delay, though, now comes the challenge. So the challenge is not only you're waiting, but while you're waiting, here's the fun thing. God lets you have some problems. And during the challenge, things seem to go from bad to really bad, and then really bad to worse, and then from worse to impossible. Remember seven years ago when we were $20 million in debt? I wish you could, I wish I could give you a snapshot of my brain seven years ago. There was eject, lights flashing, run for your life, Jason. And I remember standing in our kitchen with my wife saying, Maybe we'll just not do this. Maybe we'll just say no. But God said, yes. And we made a determination a long time ago, whatever God speaks to us, we're going to say yes. I was, we were filled with God was doing something, and he wanted to do something for us as a church. He wanted to 
deliver us from several things. And it's a challenge. And it's difficult. But it's in that challenge that God meets us. Where things look impossible. And I know this sounds terrible, but we, we find ourselves in a place where I guess I can only depend on God now. Right. <laughs> One of our missionaries, uh, Nancy Kukaukasim from Thailand, she, she's telling the story how she would, when she would talk to people going through something and, or they're like, they don't know what to do. She would say, well, I guess let's just, let's just pray. And she said one day the Holy Spirit says, just? Just pray. <laughs> like, well, I guess I mean, this is all we can do. So, I mean, I guess we'll just pray. And God in the challenge brings us to the place where like, uh, well, I, I, I mean, I guess we'll just have to trust God. I can't do anything. God's like, yes. I've been trying to get you to this place where, where you recognize that when I promise you something, I am faithful to complete it without you being able to do it for me. I don't need you to do it for me. I need you to rest and to let me do it for you. So here, here's, here's Abram. He's 99. Still doesn't have a son. He's, his wife's 89. I just heard someone go, geez. Well, so anyway, that's fine. Abraham sees this challenge of this promise of kids. This is impossible. And so, Genesis 17, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? He's saying, that's impossible. Even in the challenge at 100, and his wife is 90, guess what happens? They have a baby. And that name is Isaac, which means laughter, because that's hilarious. <laughs> and they think it's great. But in the journey, when you go from the promise, when you go to the choice, to the delay, to the challenge, now there's confusion. Wait a minute, God. I thought this is what you gave me a child to have for them to have more children. Like that's, that's how this works, God. Then there's confusion though. Genesis 22.2 says, take your son. God says to Abraham, take your son. And look, if you see it, it's like, he, it's like, <laughs> like God is kind of, Digging his finger in just a little bit. Take your son, your only son, your only son, whom you love, and sacrifice him. Talk about confusion. What? Abraham was asked by God to give up the miracle child. But that's the promise. That's what you said, God. There have been times in, in Cheryl and I's life that when we were waiting for provision as missionaries and, and then provision came, 
it also came with the prompting of the Lord is give that to somebody else. What? We've been praying for this. Yeah? Give it away. Confusion. This doesn't make sense. God says, I want you to sacrifice your promise back to me. So Abraham, Abraham waits 100 years, has a baby, child starts to grow. He begins to see some of the blossoming things of the promise. By the way, um, Abraham, sacrifice your son. I want you to sacrifice him to me. And Abraham's thinking, what kind of God is this? Now remember, this was not a, a God that was known to Abraham or known to Abraham's family. God came to Abraham, introduced himself, and said, this is what I'm going to do for you. But you have to also remember that Abraham came from a culture where God, their gods, always demanded more. So if you sacrifice to the sun god, the grain, one year, and you don't have a good crop, then, well, it must have not been enough. So you, then you have to sacrifice more grain. And then if you have a good crop the next year, then you go, oh, I just can't give him the same amount I did last year because, because I, I, what, if, what if he's not pleased with that? So I got to give him more. And so in his mind was a God who always demanded more. No, give me more, give me more, give me more. So Abraham, though, in his faith responds as, I, but maybe is this a cruel joke or feels confused and hopeless. And this is part of the journey of faith. We see it in Paul's life, man. We see his desperation. We see his submission. We see his persecution. We see his wounds. We see him. And he keeps going like, okay, God. That didn't work out real well. But he kept leaning into the promise. And this is the point for us, though, at this, at this, this confusion that you thought you understood what God was doing with the promise, but the promise is always, the fulfilled promise is always greater than what you could ever imagine. It's always greater. It's always a, a, another understanding of, of this God who called you by name, knit you together in your mother's womb, has every hair on your head numbered. He knows you're in for the beginning. He, your days are numbered. And he delights in you as a father delights in a son and a daughter. He loves you. He looks to you. He's not far off. He's near you. And then all of a sudden you're confused and hopeless. Some of you had what God had promised in your hands. And now maybe it seems like he's taking it away. And you're confused. Some of you are here, the confusion part in your marriage. Are you here because you thought you were going to be married? Or confused when you look at your budget or your children, or your career, and your relationships, or because your health is not what you believed it, it, it would be. And you're at this stage when 
You start to doubt God's wisdom. And this is a question that many of us ask in this moment. Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening, God? This is out of my control. And God, obviously, it's out of your control. And it's at this moment, wherever you're at today, that I would say to you, congratulations. You're at the point and the place that God is getting you ready to blow your mind. But we must stay engaged into this journey. We must not give up. Because then, after the confusion, after our choice, after our submission, after it exposes what's in us, then there's the provision. But I want you to see that the provision came after Abraham obeyed God. Abraham didn't give up hope. Abraham didn't know how this was going to sort out. But what he did know is that God promised him, and Isaac is the son of the promise. And maybe God will raise him. Actually, he says he was assured that God would raise him from the dead. But he was going to sacrifice him. Abraham obeys God, takes Isaac, puts him on the altar, gives him back to God, and then God shows up. And then as Abraham has the knife, and Isaac is like, I don't agree with this. <laughs> He's like, Dad, you should have told me the wood I was carrying was for me. That I'm going to, okay, great. I don't even, I can't even imagine. I mean, God recognized Abraham loved Isaac. And as his boy looked in his father's eyes and his father raised the knife, the sense of confusion in that young man's life. God shows up and says, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. And in that moment, God demonstrated to Abraham, you don't have to provide your own sacrifice. I will. And there was a ram caught in the thicket. And so Abraham unties his son and goes to the God who provides. And all of this was a, a lesson. All of this was revealing to Abraham and to Isaac what kind of God God was. And so the more confusing, the more hopeless situation, the greater the provision is going to be. The more of a miracle it's going to be. Listen, that's, that's what God does. And, and God, we are so obsessed about the destination, and God is about the journey of faith. He's about what it exposes in us. It's about the doubt that we didn't know we actually had. It's about our own lives being surrendered to the Lord. And it's in these moments, it's about us, God preparing us to receive his miracle for us. And so God provided this blessing for Abraham. 
And God provided a sacrifice. Listen, everybody in this room, God is going to take you on a journey of faith. At many times in your life, you're going to have to trust God. You're going to have to, as you read his word and you're like, God, I'm believing that. That's for me this year. This is for where I am this year. You can say, God, I, listen, if you did it there, you're going to do, you can do that again. And, he'll, and God, wants to, God wants to meet you. And here's, here's the truth of where we are. This idea of living by faith is something that is lost in modern Christianity today. That our lives as believers and Christians look nothing, don't look like anything. I'll say it this way. Our lives as believers actually look like everyone else's life that doesn't even know God. And so God is calling us to live differently, to use us, to see miracles in this hour. Abraham would have never had this provision of the ram caught in the thicket and seeing God for really who he is. He's the loving God. He's the one who provides. He's not like, he's not like humanity that always demands more. He's not like the gods of, of, of old that always demand more. He's the God that provides. He's the God that one day would bring his own son and provide, provide his blood for your forgiveness of sins. God is our provider, but it's understanding the journey that we see God clearly for what he is and we surrender to him and we submit to him and we, we read his word and we grow with him and we, don't, and we don't back up, we don't hit eject. We say, yes, God, I don't understand, but I'm believing. I don't totally get it, but I'm believing. I don't know how this is gonna work out, but I'm walking up that hill because you said, and I'm taking my promise with me. And I don't know how it's going to work out. And I don't know how it's going to flesh out. But God, you are a good God. And you've proved it over and over and over again. And that I've never seen the righteous forsaken or, or his seed begging for bread. I've never seen someone abandoned by you. You are the one who sticks closer to me than a brother. You said you'd never leave me nor forsake me. I won't quit. I will believe and obey you regardless of what I think could happen or not happen. You're the one who determines my steps. You're the one who knows the end. Every one of us in this room is at one of these places. And God wants to encourage you today to keep walking the journey of faith. I want to share with you a story in closing today that really ministered to me last week. <clears throat> and I want to read to you this testimony. And this is on the heels of the message last week as we talked about our commitment to love one another. That's our, it's through loving one another that the world will know that we're his disciples. Jesus didn't say how you love 
Those who don't know Jesus, the world will know. It says how you love one another. So we talked last week that we, we don't want to owe any debt except for the debt of love. And I won't be talking about debt every week, but I just, I want you to, I just, this is so relevant to today's message. Um, so I'll just read this. The following is my testimony of a Holy Spirit encounter during Pastor Jason's message on Sunday morning, 521. As he was sharing about our church, church's debt reduction, the Spirit said, focus on the balance remaining, which was $3,026,226. God has spoken to me several months earlier, debt-free in 2023, which confirmed what Pastor had also heard. That final balance due was then glowing as I sat staring at it. And the Spirit then said to me, I'm going to pay the $26,226 today, at which I was very excited for the church until the Spirit said he was going to use me to do it. <laughs> now, I am by no means... A man of wealth. But I do trust God for seemingly out of the box things at times. The Lord said to me, You always say to me that I own, sorry, you always say to me that you own nothing your house, your cars, your business, etc. So today, I'm making a withdrawal from my money. I reminded God that I only had a small nest egg. Put away for emergencies and cash from a recent inheritance payoff. The Spirit said, I know. It's just enough to pay the $26,226 today. Now what he also shared with me, he didn't write in this letter, that he said to God, God, this is our nest egg. And God said to him, as he, he sat, he said, God spoke to him and said, yes, but nests are for babies. And that's not who you are. So, the Spirit said, go home and get the cash and take it to Pastor Jason's house as he is home alone so you may speak freely and privately about the seed. I'm planting today. The balance will be coming by the end of the year. So, he did come to the house and uh, I was alone, which is very unusual on Sunday afternoons. And also interesting, I was in the basement doing my Sunday afternoon ritual. I was sleeping. Uh, <laughs> and so I was, I was in another world. Um, and my phone text went off and my wife was texting me and we have one of those little doorbell camera things. And she's like, hey, someone's at the front door. And I said, okay. Um, 
So I got up, and when I got to the top, he had, was walking down to his car, and I hollered. I said, hey, man, what are you doing? And so he came back, um, and he said, can, can we come in, and, come in and chat? So he told me this story. And so we sat at our kitchen table, and he pulled out this money in cash. And then he, he's writing this part of the testimony. I don't believe he, me, Jason, had ever seen that amount of cash uh, poured out on his dining room table. And that was true, actually. I never, uh, matter of fact, my wife came home right after he had left and she walked in and this cash, and I was there and I, I took a picture and sent it to some of the board members just for, you know, hey, just so you know, this came in, I'm gonna put it in the safe and whatever. Uh, and she goes, what's happening here? <laughs> And so he writes, continues to write, of course the enemy came with words of fear and doubt. Did I really hear from God? To which I counter with John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. And 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourself to see if you were in the faith. Test yourself. As the Spirit said, pastor was home alone so I could share all the, all the times God multiplied back many things when I had blessed ministries, the poor, etc., when I left his home, I had once again peace in my spirit that I had both heard and obeyed God. I felt assured that the pastor of my church was both filled and led by the Holy Spirit. To all who hear this testimony, I say to you, how big is your God? He reminds us and challenges us and asks the question, how big is your God? How big is your God? Is he able? Is he able to, to move? Is he able to have you be a conduit for him? Is he able to fulfill the dreams he's put in your heart? Is he able to bring you on a journey of faith? Is he able to meet you in those confusing times and give you peace and help you understand really who he is and his, his kindness to you and his love towards you. Is he able to take your life and do with it something that you never thought possible? Is he able? How big is your God? Is there, is there, do you remember the story where someone took Yahweh's face and shoved it into the dirt and taught him the meaning of defeat? No, you don't because it's not there. That when God speaks it, when he says it, he wants us to say, I believe you for what you've said to me. And whatever you're believing for today, the question is this, is it the will of God that this would be done in your life? Is it God's will? If the answer is yes, then believe for it. Don't quit, don't stop, don't pull back. If you're online and you're on your deathbed, don't stop believing that God can heal you. I tell you what, I'd rather take my final breath believing God is able because God honors faith and it's eternal and it continues into eternity. What have you stopped believing for?
What have you given up on? God says today, return to my promise and let's go on a journey together. Let's go on a journey together. Will it be difficult? Yeah. But listen, we saw it when Jesus said difficult things, the hundreds whittled down to 12. And Jesus is like, that'll do. There are some here that I know won't return to the promise. It's too difficult. There are some of you who will. And like Peter said, Lord, we're not going anywhere. For in you are words of life. Friends, you were made for more than just this world. You were made to engage with a supernatural God and for him to do what he wants in your life. He's not, he's not looking for the, those who have arrived in the spiritually elite. He's looking for the willing vessels who will say, I'm, good, I'm game if you're game, God. God delights in your invitation for him to do what he wants in your life. And so by faith, friends, in our personal lives, in our church, let's believe for what God wants. And don't be afraid of it. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't shrink back from it. Believe. Have faith. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you today for your word that speaks to us, that challenges us, that stretches us. Lord, right now, us in this room, I pray that you would rekindle those promises that we've put on the back burner. Lord, I confess today I've given up on some promises. And so, Lord, I return. I return to the promise and I will believe. Lord, there are those here today who have become discouraged and hopeless. But Lord, it's in those moments that you actually have allowed them to come to that place so that you can reveal you're actually what they need and what they want. You're actually the one who just doesn't stand over them while they're hopeless. You're the one who sits with them in their hopelessness, but then lifts their head to the place of life and hope. There were those here today who have felt, God, that they've blown it, they've gone too far, that you can't use them. There were those here today who actually You've blessed their life, and they are not, they are not willing to sacrifice or to respond out of God. Whatever you want to do with your blessing, you can. Though I think all of us are there in that place at some point. But Lord, today, may you fill us with fresh courage, fresh peace, and fresh life. And may we lift our faith and believe you again that through your resurrection, 
Even when we stopped believing, we can believe again because it's you who lives. And because you live, we can face tomorrow. Because you live, all fear is gone. Because you live, I know, I know who holds the future. And life is worth the living because you live. And so, Lord, today, may we be strengthened and see your supernatural hand in our life. In Jesus' name. Just remain with your heads bowed. And for those of you who are online as well, with your heads bowed, if you have never asked Jesus into your life, and you've never asked him to forgive you and cleanse you of your sin, and you want to be a, become a child of God today and secure your future in eternity, if you are sensing that God is stirring your heart today and you want to do that and you feel convicted and you recognize you need to ask for forgiveness, if that's you today, nobody's looking around. If you're online, you can do it right where you are. Just lift your hand right where you are right now. Just lift it up. Bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Just wave at me. Thank you. Bless you. Nobody's looking. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless. Amen. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And we're all going to pray it together because the cross equalizes us all. We're all desperate for Jesus at the cross. There's no, there's no better, there's no class system at the cross. And so we're going to pray with you just like we did. And if you, as you pray this, if you believe it, just pray these words from your heart. Say, Lord Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. I'm sorry for rebelling against you. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. And I put my faith in that reality that you did that for me. And so I receive your righteousness. I receive your forgiveness. And from this moment forward, I belong to you. And I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. If you gave your life to Jesus today, we have some next steps for you. And so you can go to our website or there's a QR code in the back of, on the back of your chair. You stop by the... the uh, the guest counter. We just would love to walk with you and, uh, and walk this journey with you. Let's all stand to our feet. I'm going to pray over you. If you want prayer today, our prayer team would be honored to pray with you. If you gave your life to Jesus and you want one of them to pray with you, please come on forward. If you can't lift your hands to the Lord, I'd love to bless you if you'd allow me to today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your blessing over your people. May you bless your children. May you go before them. May you lead them. May you guide them. May they walk here today filled with fresh faith to believe you for your promises in their life. May they submit to you. May we revel in the joy of what you're doing in our midst. And may you heal every heart, every mind. And God, may you transform every person's life as we leave here today. And as we leave, 
May we understand that we're stepping into our mission field to be lights in the midst of darkness. And so, Lord, I thank you today that you're healing minds and hearts and marriages, and you're transforming all of us as a church together. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. God bless you, friends. Have a great weekend. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.